Good afternoon, Rody Nation. We're back for another week of Mark's Remarks on WRIU 90.3 FM Kingston. And so I'm back with a new guest. Obviously wanted to find a new sport. Um, I reached out to one of my former guests to try and get some teammates of his. I reached out to my, my buddy Mason on the men's track and field team to try and find some new guests to cover all the facets of that team. And so today... I am joined in the studio by a senior captain and a thrower, Chris Taverone. Chris, how are you doing today? Good, good, good. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course, of course. I've been looking forward to um, doing this one for a while because, it's like I said, track and field is a very interesting sport. There's so much that goes on because there's so many different events, and they're all so different. Yeah. Everyone's competing for that same glory, but the events and the different types of people that you encounter on a track and field program are can be so vastly different. Yep. And, I mean, like, I remember last year when I was talking to Mason and learning about all the ins and outs of pole vaulting, I was astounded. Mm-hmm. And I was in, that's only scratching the surface of track and field. So, to kind of touch upon a little bit about uh, your background, you are a thrower uh, focusing on shot put and discus, which are for the casual sports fan. People aren't very familiar with it, maybe outside of the Olympics, so, I mean, just how did you get involved in these sports? Um, it, it kind of kind of complicated um, because I, I played pretty much every sport growing up, football, basketball, baseball, some soccer. Um, but then getting into high school, I knew I didn't want to play basketball because I really didn't love it, right? I didn't, I didn't love basketball. I wasn't really good at it either, but I was tall, and I, and I probably would have made the team if I tried out. Um, but I didn't want to take someone's spot who wanted to be there, right, who, who, who's been working towards that, um, like, their whole life pretty much. So I was like, you know what, I'll find something else to do. Um, wrestling didn't really pique my interest, and I was talking to my dad one day in, in the car leaving football practice um, in the fall because I started thinking about what I wanted to do in the winter. Um, and he told me, he was like, hey, you know, I threw shot put uh, in high school, and, and Grandpa did too, actually, um, and so we started talking about that, and because and, I had no idea what shot put was up until that point. Um, and after hearing about it, I was like, all right, it sounds cool. You, you, get, to, you get to lift. You don't really run a, a lot. Uh, you get to eat a lot. Um, sounds like every and, high schooler's dream. Yeah, especially <laughs> for, for like every big kid's dream, too. You know, it's, it's great. You just show up, throw, get in the weight room, lift a lot of weight, and then as soon as you get out, you eat, and then you do whatever you want for the rest of the day. Um, so, so right after that, I was, I was like, you know what, sure, I'll give it a shot. Um, and I did. I, I went through the whole indoor season um, I threw shot put. I, I had, I mean, an okay freshman season, but it wasn't, wasn't enough uh, to pull me out of baseball, which I've been playing my whole life. I, so I have three brothers, um, two older and one younger, and we played baseball and football like our whole lives. So I still played baseball uh, spring of my freshman year in high school. Um, just cause I love, I love baseball and I, and I still do. Um, I still do, but sophomore year after indoor track, I had a good enough year where all my teammates and coaches were saying like, Hey, you should probably give up baseball and come out and do this in the spring. Like, you know, you could possibly get a scholarship. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. Like I love baseball. It's still like it's my favorite sport. Um, but after, yeah, some long conversations with my dad and teammates and everything I did, I, I gave up baseball um, and picked up spring track. And it was, it's actually funny because I had signed up for winter baseball workouts 
Um, and even after I made my decision to mm-hmm. not play baseball in the spring and to join the spring track team, I still showed up to all the winter baseball workouts and hit, <laughs> took batting practice, took fielding practice, and all these kids knew I wasn't going to be on the team. Um, but it was just like it was cool being with my friends. I've been playing with my whole life, just working out with them, playing baseball still. Um, but then from there, spring track went well sophomore year. Um, and yeah, from there on, it's just you know, I'm here now. Like, <laughs> it oh, yeah. kind of worked out. Well, well, yeah. yeah, clearly you made clearly you made the right decision. I'm curious, what was just the transition like actually getting into the sport? I mean, obviously you said you've played a number of different sports growing up, football, baseball, all of these things. But Chopper and Discus, it's a very particular motion, and it's just a very – you need to have a, a very particular um, physicality in order yeah. to do it. So, I mean, just obviously I, I can imagine your dad was a big help having been experienced with it, but just what was that transition like actually learning how to do it? It, it was tough because um, it's, it, it's something that – like I've really never done, I've never done a movement like that ever in my life. Um, now swinging a baseball bat is kind of similar with the, the hip motion. You, you turn your knee and your hip forward, and then your your upper body comes around. It's kind of similar to that, like with that. But um, it was a lot of YouTube videos, it, like sitting in my room late at night watching YouTube videos, studying people, throwing shot put, um, and a lot, a lot of practice and and a lot of frustration too at first. Um, and and still today, there's still some frustration because it's a very, it's a very individual and mental sport. Um, because it's like the the only thing your coach can do is just kind of tell you what to do. That he can't like he can't put your body in the right position and and help you do it. It's like it's all on you. So it was it was a tough transition, um, especially because it's a it's a lesser known sport, right? There, a lot of people know about baseball. A lot of people know about basketball, so they can kind of give you tips and tri- t- tips and tricks. Sorry. Um, but it was like either my, my shop coach at high school or YouTube videos to, to try and learn how to throw. So it was tough. And so then once you sort of got over that hump, I mean, I can tell from this, you're a three time all County in indoor and outdoor. Once you officially made that transition was like, all right, this is going to be my sport. Just when did your sort of competitive nature take over? And you were like, all right, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to be really good at it. Um, that was probably the end of my indoor sophomore year right where i had that kind of epiphany saying like maybe i should do this outdoors um i i can't remember if i i think i I placed fifth in the county that year or something but i i came from nowhere pretty much like it was it was it was a good year um but then after that i was like yeah I, i really i could be like pretty decent at this um and it's fun a lot of great teammates like we all enjoyed it like the meets were were a blast um but I think outdoor sophomore year, I did well in discus. That, that was what I was really looking forward to because you couldn't throw discus indoors, only shot put. Um, so we were throwing discus outdoors. Um, and my first meet wasn't great. Second meet wasn't great. And I was ready to give up on that. And my coach was like, just stick it out, just stick it out. But then it started jumping. My, my PR started jumping 5, 10, 15 feet. And then when I saw I could improve vastly throughout a season yeah like i did everything i was doing was trying to put in the the time and effort into improving my throw and i think yeah like spring of my sophomore year was really like wow this could be something that like i I could be pretty good at and so then as you start to excel like you touched upon earlier where your friends and coaches were saying hey like you could really get a scholarship like this could be a serious future for you as you started to kind of get through your junior year and so on when did colleges really start to like kind of reach out and start looking at you? 
Um, it was mainly after, um, I think, indoor my junior year, I started to get a couple of letters. Actually, URI was the first school to reach out to me. Um, I remember walking out of practice in, in my high school science wing because we don't have an indoor track, and not many high schools do. Um, so we would practice in, like, the, in the hallways and stuff. And I remember my coach, we were all warming up, and he comes out and he tosses a letter to me. I was like, here you go. Congrats. It's your first one. And I was like, first one of what? And I hold it up and it says the University of Rhode Island. I was like, oh, wow, like, this is real. Like, this is, this is crazy. Because I, I, everyone told me, right, you could get a scholarship. You could get, you know, you could throw in college. But I was like, all right, we'll see. We'll see. And then that day it was like, yeah, that's crazy. So I think um, winter of my junior year, school started to reach out to me. Um, but I also got, I got recruited for football, too. Um, and so right around the same time, uh, for the track letter, I started to go on visits for football too. Um, so I kind of like pursued both sports equally at that point up until, uh, fall senior year. What were some of the schools that you were looking at for football? Um, Lehigh was one of them. Uh, Fordham was another one. Um, I think I, I went to... Towson for a couple workouts. I worked out at uh, Rutgers for one day. Um, yeah, like Rutgers would have been great, but they, they didn't really have any interest in me really because I was a very different player than the guys they're used to. Um, my high school ran a very, very old and, and ancient offense, and <laughs> I was specialized in things that were, were sought after in probably like the 70s and 80s, um, not so much today. But, um, yeah, so, like, Division One, AA schools. And so that, that kind of, like, that's what made me think about whether I should do track or football because wherever you go to play football, the, the commitment is equally as high, right, and the demand on your body is equally as high, but your opportunity to really, like, move on, right, to, to that next level, to the NFL, does really, like, matter where you go. Um, and none of those schools I felt like were – um, were a, a great place to for me to shine and, and possibly go to the NFL, right? Because it's everyone has a dream, but not many people get to make it. So it was a bit of a reality check. Um, and I was like, you know what? If if schools at a similar or even a little bit higher level were looking at me for track, um, it's a lot safer on my body. Uh, and I'm an engineering major too, so it's a lot safer on my brain too, which is going to be my my money maker for the rest of my life, right? If I if I have brain injuries, more than I've probably already suffered. Uh, I'm sure playing 12 years of football, you know, has done enough. But I <laughs> um, figured that it's just safer in general just to go on the track route. And I loved it, too. It was fun. Had a, a lot of fun in high school and, and more fun here, too. Yeah, that was kind of going to be my next question was like, oh, like was there ever the idea of maybe wanting to do football and track? Because obviously the seasons don't really uh, – the seasons obviously don't really conflict. And I, there are obviously um, – some athletes that make that decision where they're like, all right, I can kind of balance it, like do something in the spring and do something in, in um, the fall at the D1 level. But was that ever something yeah. you had thought of? For a little bit. Um, I definitely thought about it for a little bit. And then when I realized I wanted to be an engineer, it was like time, time is a premium, especially for engineering, ju just in general, right? And then you add in athletics on top of that, just one sport. And it's like you really don't have a ton of time. And then you're playing two Division One sports uh, in one year. And that, that really, like, it, w it would have been really tough. And, and it's hard because you really can't 
um, be totally invested in, in one sport, right? You kind of be splitting yourself um, in the fall. It's football season. Then you can start thinking about track. Whereas like at this level, you really need to be bought into one sport because that's, that's how you're going to get every bit of potential out uh, that you have. So, yeah. And so then once you had kind of just decided to go down the track route, you had obviously gotten the offer from URI and then as more offers started to come in, what more or less went into your decision to ultimately commit to URI? Um, I think it was it was a combination of the engineering program because some of the schools that were looking at me didn't have engineering or it wasn't great. Like their facilities were a little bit run down or, or their program just didn't rank very high. Um, and also on my visit here, I, I felt it was like it, it was pretty much what I was used to back home. So it, it felt like an extension of home when I got here. Like it, I was very comfortable and everyone was, was very supportive and like engaging. They were coming up to me, asking questions, like getting to know me. They, they seemed genuinely interested, not just trying to sell their school, you know, which cause at different schools, I've heard people tell me, oh, you don't want to go there, dude. Like it's, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's not fun. Like the guys are a little bit weird. And it's like, as soon as someone's talking down on another school or just really trying to push, like trying to sell their school, like I said, rather than just kind of get to know you and build that relationship, it kind of turns you off. Um, and then just after getting here, seeing everyone in practice, like really getting along very well and, and just loving what they're doing, it, it just kind of was like a, a no-brainer for me. And it was fascinating that you brought up that URI was your first offer because I've, I've spoken to so many athletes over the past uh, couple of years, and a lot of them have similar um, similar stories where they were like, URI was one of the first schools that offered me, and then after the whole process, they decided that, all right, the first offer is the best one. That's usually, it goes against the cliche where it's like, yeah. you never want to take your first offer. I mean, URI was the first school that I got accepted to when I was coming to college anyway, yeah. and then I ended up I ended up here. But in the, in the when you... I had accepted the offer, you had committed, and you look back at, like, your freshman self during high school. Were you at all just, like, surprised at how far you had come from that, like, more or less kind of confused freshman trying to figure out what sport he wanted to play? Uh, definitely, yeah. Like, if you were to told me that um, I would be hanging up the phone right after I had a conversation and just accepted a Division One scholarship for track and field, if you told me that in the fall of 2016, I think it was, my freshman year, like what tra what's track and field like you know that that's the craziest thing to me is like I didn't even know what it was at that point and then here I am now I'm on scholarship but more importantly just having a great time with a lot of great guys and and going out and competing so it's yeah it's it's kind of crazy looking back now especially at where I like even just from now to freshman year of college too it's it's been very different um mainly because COVID threw a wrench and yeah. things um but yeah a lot, a lot of growth and a lot, of, a lot of really good memories. Yeah, so that's a pretty good segue into what I wanted to touch upon next was that your freshman year was during the height of COVID and yeah. playing at, as an indoor and outdoor athlete, COVID really impacted you probably more than most other athletes. Because, I mean, outside of, like, basketball and, and swimming and some of the other sports that are indoors, I mean, indoor track, like, that's one of those things where it's, like, it's very difficult to kind of – it was difficult to do that during the pandemic. And so, I mean, coming in as a freshman, you – in, in indoor, you ended up winning at one of the meets against Northeastern, and but again, everything is different. It's not anything yeah. like what you had experienced before, especially considering college athletics is a whole different yeah. universe yeah. than in high school. But I mean, just kind of 
Walk me through a little bit of what that first year was like for you. Okay. Yeah, it was um, It was funny. I was just talking to a couple of my teammates about this uh, earlier in the week, um, just like reminiscing on it a little bit, right? It's it's kind of like it's cool to think about, right? We all went through that and, and, and just got better and uh, fought through the adversity, right? But thinking back, it, it was a tough time. Um, I mean, we, we couldn't use our locker room, so we had to – keep all, all of our implements and uh, practice gear in our dorms and like hoof it out to the, the shot put circle. Um, and we, we all had to wear masks outdoors while we were throwing. We, we had our pods, so we can only practice in groups of four. So we really couldn't like mesh as a team very well. Um, while lifting, we, we had like 10 guys in the weight room. And I don't know if you've seen the weight room, but we, we pretty comfortably fit 50 guys in there. Um, if not a little bit more, uh, when we lift now and there was only 10 in there at that time. So it was, it felt like a ghost town, you know, you really felt like disconnected. There wasn't really a huge like family or, or team feeling, um, which I felt so like so much when I came on my visit that past year. Um, and it was, it was kind of tough because like you come, you, you leave home. I mean, three hours, I'm from New Jersey, so it's only a three hour ride, but still you're, you're not home. Um, you're at this big place with a, a bunch of people you don't know, and you really can't get to know them because you can't hang out with them. You can't share a locker room together. You can't really like lift together as a whole team. Um, you can't eat in the dining halls together as a whole team. So it was very, very, uh, individual. Um, and it, it was tough, but it was, it was also, we, we kind of came together and, and fought through that as like as your little pod, right? So I had, a, I had three other throwers that I was with. Um, so we got really close. But just as a whole team as, like aspect, it was tough. You, you, we really didn't feel like a, a super close team until conference because then we could travel. Um, we actually did because that was in the spring of 2020. Um, or no, was that 21? Yeah, 2000, 2021. Yeah. Um, so things started to loosen up a little bit there. So we got to travel, we got to stay in the hotels, we got to go on the buses. So then you, you finally got that little bit of like that family feeling, the the big team, um, and that was awesome. It, it almost made you more appreciative because you, you had that in high school, right? You understood what that was, um, what that feeling was in high school. And then all fall, you're kind of like, oh, this is, is this how it is? You know, like, is this how college athletics is? Or, and you knew COVID had something to do with it, but you, you didn't know, you had no idea as a freshman. Um, so that, that was a, a bit of a crazy year, but yeah, it finished strong because we, things loosened up and got to travel and got closer as a team and the weight room started to open up a little bit more. Um, but we still, we still, yeah, we were still affected pretty heavily, but there were, there were some, some better aspects towards the end. And so, I mean, how much of a toll did the isolation in a sense take on you mentally? Because the obviously you're playing a very individual sport so when you're actually competing it's you're by yourself but then once you get out of that usually you'd be able to be with your friends and so on and then like you alluded to like it's every facet of your life was you were by yourself for a very long time i mean that had that had to have been incredibly mentally challenging especially as a freshman yeah it it was tough um yeah, because typically you can kind of let off some steam with your friends joking around, like eating dinner or, or someone's dorm or house after. Um, but in this case, you had to 
file into Butterfield, get your little tray, get get the food, close it up, walk back to your dorm, and kind of sit there and and eat. Um, now I had my roommate who was very very good friends from home. Uh, I think we we met in uh, what is it Cub Scouts, so we were like six years old, <laughs> and then we we were like best friends all throughout high school and, and lived with each other freshman year. So that that definitely helped, right? Being with someone who's so comfortable or you're so comfortable with. Um, but yeah, the the individual aspect of track is broken up by having your teammates around you um, a lot, and like especially you said afterwards. And when that when that's not there, um, it it's very very tough because you're thinking like, oh wow, that was a bad practice, that was a bad meet, and there's no one really there to say like, oh don't worry about it, dude, like you got it, or you know you know what you're doing wrong. You can work on this, work on that. It's just like it's just you, right? So you got to really um, try and do that yourself, and, and that doesn't work uh, 100% of the time. And so how do you think that that mental fortitude that you obviously had to really instill upon yourself to get through your freshman year and be successful, how do you feel that has set you up to be successful further on in college now being a senior? Um, yeah, it definitely it definitely comes in handy when – Say like I'm like I'm studying for a big exam now, right? I'm I'm typically some classes you can study with a group, some I study alone. Um, so it's in in that way, yeah, it, it definitely helps. I didn't even think about it until now, actually, um, just because like I was so used to doing that all freshman year, where I'm sure now that definitely helps me, just kind of be able to help myself focus and calm myself down when I'm getting worried about, hey, I don't know this topic and my exams in a day or two. Um, it definitely, yeah, that's a, that's a great point, actually. Um, yeah, definitely helps a little bit. Um, still is not fun either way, but, yeah, definitely um, definitely helps. And so then you just kind of mentioned it when you're uh, studying for exams and trying to really pursue your academics. You'd made the decision to do the one sport so you're able to balance your time, and engineering is obviously a very intense major. It's not one that you really see with a lot of athletes because of just how – um, academically intensive it is, mm-hmm. and so on. But as you've kind of gone through the years, I mean, obviously freshman year, you kind of put that as put yeah. that as an outlier in yeah. a sense. But once you kind once it kind of got back to like regular academics and more like what you would have imagined college would have been, how how has it been like balancing the two? Um, definitely tough, right? Because it's it's just a ton of work and it's a ton of work in class, right? So I'm taking. I don't know, however many credits I'm taking, right? And I think it's like seven, or no, yeah, 17 this this semester. Um, and that's a ton of hours in class, right, or in labs. And then you have practice on top of that. But then you got to factor in, like, hours of studying, hours of homework, hours of corresponding between teachers and TAs and classmates. Um, it, it definitely gets tough to, to balance uh, track and school. And then if you want to have a social life, um, that also comes into a account there too, which which that does suffer um, as as an engineering student athlete, I guess. Um, but one thing I will say is that I do have a lot of teammates, especially throwers who are engineers. Um, last year, I think we had like six six out of like the I don't know. I think we had twelve throwers. I think six or seven of us were engineers. Um, so it was definitely something like you saw them there practicing every day in the weight room every day. So like, all right, they could do it. I could do it too. Um, so it's almost like 
like a bit of support without even anyone saying anything, right? You just know that they're going through the same thing you're doing. Um, it just helps you get through that. But yeah, balance, the balance is, is tough and it, it changes every year, right? Every year you think you, you have it, right? Oh, okay. I'll do my homework this night, this night. I'll go out this night or hang out with my friends this night. Um, every year changes because last year I had a little bit of a lighter workload. This year I have a lot more. Um, so you, it's kind of like a, a variable thing you have to figure out year to year, even semester to semester too. Um, yeah, but it, it's tough. Do you have a particular specialization for engineering or is it general? So I'm, I'm a civil engineer, um, which is in, in civil engineering, there's environmental, which is more like wastewater treatment or drinking water treatment, uh, chemical spills, like oil spills, stuff like that, and how to remediate all that stuff. Um, there's geotechnical, which is, is like soil sciences and like foundations of buildings, pretty much, uh, examining the soil you're building on top of. Um, that's probably my, my favorite group now. Um, in high school, I wanted to be an architect when I, when I grew up, right? Everyone says, Oh, what do you want to do? I'm like, All right, I want to be an architect. Um, but you or I, I don't know, they might have one. I, they, it wasn't really like, uh, pushed upon me, I guess. They didn't say, Oh, you can check it out. So. Everyone was saying, go engineering, go engineering, because you're better off in, in the future. Um, you can do a lot more. So I went civil engineering because there's a structural aspect, too, where you can design buildings. It's like, okay, that's pretty close to architecture. But now as I've kind of gotten into the, the more in-depth classes, I found out that I like there are soil sciences and, and geology more than, like, like building design. So it's yeah, that's changed. But I'd say geotechnical is my... Uh, expertise i guess that's that's fascinating yeah. and i mean it's just again like hearing the different stuff that athletes really uh dedicate a lot of their time to and it's you hear a wide variety of things but then once you get into the really technical stuff it's yeah. like all right i gotta commend you for being able to still be super competitive <laughs> while doing something like yeah. that um and so i'm i'm not very familiar with the entire curriculum of engineering but i mean i imagine that you have to take like physics and other classes of that nature yep I'm curious, have you ever taken any principles that you've learned from those classes and implemented them into your athletics? For physics, actually, yes. Yeah, um, definitely, like, yeah. So for, it's, it's, I think it's orbital velocity. Um, it's, it's very applicable to, like, discus and hammer throw because as you're, you're moving that implement, you actually are doing it you're, you're orbiting that implement around your body. Um, and there's one aspect in, in the finish of your throw, if you kind of like pull down to your left and pull against that, like the discus, you're pulling velocity off of it. But if you let that discus go off uh, in a straight line from that orbit, I'm probably not doing a great job of uh, describing it. Um, and it, you, you actually increase the velocity of your release as as opposed to pulling down off of it mm -hmm. that's something i did learn about in in physics so it's like I've, I've been practicing that my whole life right i've been learning that uh in 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 athletics from like the tech uh technique standpoint but then you learn why that's true in physics so it, it kind of did like help me understand that a little bit more yeah that's fascinating i mean yeah that that seems like it, you, like you said, you've been doing it your whole life. You you understand just how to do it from a body perspective. Like it's it all becomes muscle memory at the yeah. end of the day. But then once you kind of start to learn about more of the numbers behind it and the reasons stuff happens, I got to imagine that 
mentally the next that after you had that first lesson the next time you're throwing you're like all right maybe if i like <laughs> tilt my body a little bit yeah. like i could change the angle maybe yeah. that'll change it absolutely and it, it's funny because you don't really that, that's an, another reason why i'm so fascinated by like your um your aspect of track and field because it's so far removed in a sense from so many other sports where it's yeah. like you can really have many different things like apply to it. And it, I feel like that's also, I, I could be totally off base, but I feel like that I, it's very common for track athletes and stuff like that to be in into these sort of majors and this sort of academia. And I feel like that subconsciously when you're thinking about what you want to study, there's got to be a correlation <laughs> or two. There has to be. Yeah. So you definitely see that a lot with um, with a lot of guys on the team who go kinesiology, which is like sports science. Um, you see a ton of, and I'm sure it's like that through all of athletics, because right, you grow up playing sports and you you kind of learn how to fix yourself, right? If you get a little bit banged up or you tweak this muscle, you learn how to treat it, and then you you figure out you can take a major in college where that that's what you learn about. You learn about body mechanics and how your body repairs itself, and so you do you do see a lot of athletes kind of go that way um, because they can apply it to their practice every day too. Um, they they know firsthand what to do when their hamstring is starting to cramp up a little bit or they feel dehydrated or they're just their energy levels are low. Um, and so, yeah, it, it is really cool seeing like people's majors, what they're learning in school kind of also apply to what they're doing on the track. Um, and I, I do see people gravitate towards like – I guess applicable majors too a lot more often than just like uh, ones they would enjoy otherwise that that don't relate to sports as much. That's that's so fascinating. Yeah. So here we've had enough science talk for right now. Let's get back. <laughs> let's get back to get back to the main reason why everyone wants to listen to this show. Um, twenty twenty one coming out of COVID seemed to be a pretty successful year for you. I feel like I feel like you'd you'd agree on that. New England outdoor champion in discus. I mean. And obviously the NCAA uh, preliminary qualifier, which we'll touch upon a little bit, because that even that's unbelievable. But I mean, New England outdoor champion for 2021, coming out of COVID, having gone through all the struggle and everything, really having to adjust by yourself to college athletics. What was what was that tournament like for you? And just what was, how were you feeling going into that? Um, I was I was feeling pretty good because the week prior we had our conference championship. Um, and I threw, I had, I think it was a three and a half meter PR, which is, which is very big. Like PRs come by the centimeters and, and, and maybe like half a meter, you know? Um, so, so a three and a half meter PR was, was huge for me and like, and huge confidence boost. So I was kind of riding that into the New England championships. Um, and Definitely just felt much more comfortable than the rest of the season. Um, and just kind of – and that wasn't a great meet for me either, New England's, um, but still managed to fight through and win. Um, but, yeah, it was it was cool because that was that was my first sense of, like, success at a huge meet, right? Our conference meet is, is huge in the sense of that's what we train for all year, right? But um, – the A10, I think, is 15 teams, um, but New England's there was, I think, like 30-something teams there. So it was a lot of kids. Um, that was my first taste of that in college, and that was that was a really cool feeling. And so then, I mean, immediately afterward, it like 
you're just a champion. Like you, you kind of just touched upon it there where you're uh, amongst so many people and you were able to excel at that point. I mean, kind of going back to the analogy I used before, like you're a freshman in high school really trying to figure this stuff out and then the competitor takes <laughs> over. You're able to get a college scholarship and then within like two years, you're a New England champion and then competing to qualify for the NCAA tournament. Like how how was that sort of feeling when you kind of look back at it now? Um, It, it was It was awesome. Because we we'd put so much time in as my like our whole team, all my teammates, we we were in and just in practice in the weight room, putting all the extra hours in together. Um, it really was a team effort, honestly. Like it wasn't like yeah, track is an individual sport, but you are surrounded by other individual athletes, right? Like everyone's competing for their own title. Only one person can win, but you can be you can be aided by so many people, and I and I really did. All my teammates. Um, really pushed me a lot and, and gave me a lot of motivation uh, every day at practice in the weight room and at the meets too, right? Everyone's cheering for each other. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, it was cool to win. It was cool to win, but it was definitely awesome just to, to see me and the rest of my team succeed um, exponentially throughout the year. And so before we kind of go into the uh, NCAA uh, qualifiers and stuff, walk me through just what, tournament like one of these big new england um championships is like i mean i've had experience with the atlantic tens and it's kind of you can kind of get the gist of of how it is but when it expands to so many schools just what is how does that tournament sort of operate at least from your perspective um so it's as, as an athlete you try not to make things bigger than they are um you treat every meet pretty much the same although you're you're never really gonna uh totally do that right you're you're going to treat meets differently regardless of how hard you try not to. Um, but that meet was, I looked at that meet as just like another like conference championship pretty much, even though it was a lot more, a lot more people. Um, and yeah, it's it just longer. So, so there's more flights. It, um, every meet there, there's groups of 12 throwers and they, they all throw at one time because there's too many guys to just have one line, right? If you have 40 throwers, you're not just going to have a line of 40 people. Like one guy throws, next guy gets in. It takes too long for everyone to get all three uh, throws in. So they, they split them up into groups. They call them flights. So at big meets, there could be like three, four, or five flights of people. Um, so you're waiting around a little bit longer than normal. Because at, at smaller meets, you typically get there. You, you warm up. You kind of mentally prepare. And then you start throwing within probably an hour or two, but at big meets, you get there and you're sitting around a lot. You're watching different events go. Then you're watching the first three flights of your event go. Um, so it kind of gives you more time to think and possibly more time to overthink, uh, which is which is not what you want to do. So you, got to, you have to be prepared to kind of take your mind out of that situation for, for two hours while everything, um, while the other flights are going. And then you kind of click back into that just like, normal meat mode and, and just do like get the job done pretty much. Um, but it's, it is, it is hard, definitely tougher for like the regional meat. Like we're, like you just, uh, mentioned before, I mean, that, that's, that, that is a huge, huge meat. It's the Eastern half of the United States and like the top, uh, what is it? I think it was like 42 people in every event are at that meet. So you have people from, Harvard, you have people from LSU, you have people from Michigan, 
Um, you have people from Tennessee, FSU, Georgia, like all these huge schools, right? Um, you see all these kids on Instagram and all over like social media, and all of a sudden then they're right in front of you, right? You're at the same meet, you're in line with them, they're standing next to you as you guys are warming up. Um, so it is, it's a little bit intimidating, but you have to be able to remind yourself like you're here, like you made it, you, you deserve to be here too, like don't psych yourself out. Um, and it's that's you try right to treat it as a normal meet it, it is tough in that sense but you really try to just treat it as a normal meet and so then participating in the qualifiers obviously it, it you didn't end up uh, moving forward in it yeah. but i mean in terms of an experience wrapped into the rest of your college athletics experience just where, where do you rank participating in that qualifier i that's i mean at least top three right i I don't want to be like too specific, right? Because we, we had a great year last year. Um, I, I did win the indoor shot put title, which was great, right? But I think, I, I honestly, I'd have to say that's probably my favorite memory so far, if I were to rank it. Um, just because, like, we, we flew down there with six guys who were all super, super dedicated and, and very focused. Um, got down there to, I think it was University of North Florida. So it was a different campus, um, different weather. And like I said before, like you see the LSU bus roll in or, or the Clemson bus roll in or Alabama, like, and, and you really kind of get the sense of like, wow, this is like, this is a, a real, like this is, this is a really big meet. Um, but you're there and you got to compete just like everyone else. But I think that, that was, that was just, that was such an amazing trip just to be down there and experience that like that level of competition with everyone else, even though, yeah, I didn't move on. Um, and that's all right. It was, it was another just, uh, experience or chance to learn and, and grow as an athlete because next time that happens, right. I, I won't be as focused on the other teams there as my own performance. Um, and that'll just kind of help you grow farther and hopefully move on. And so then, uh, kind of touching on the mental aspect of, playing in these competitions. Obviously, when you look at the Atlantic 10 um, conference championships and a lot of these championships in general, you're all competing as a team, but it's all segmented into the individual events. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas you may not win your event, but your school as a whole could still win the entire conference championship, yeah. which is what you've been a part of for the past three years. I mean, since you were a freshman, they've won three straight championships. Yeah. So how um, big of a confidence boost is it to you say you don't perform your best in um a conference championship but your university still wins and you're still a part of that championship team mm -hmm. obviously like you're probably feeling a little bit down that you weren't um as big of a boost for that run but you were still a part of that uh part of that chip anyway and you're still a part of the reason why they won how how does that impact your confidence it's it's definitely huge because you're you're just part of a team that success like kind of just grows on trees almost even it's, it sounds bad right like it, it, but it almost seems like that um, because you're you're constantly surrounded by people who are putting in extra hours in the weight room at practice in the training room right healing they're recovering just as hard as they're training um, and so even if you're not winning right if you're not an a10 champion every year it's still just so amazing being on a team full of a10 champions or regional qualifiers or 
national qualifiers because it like we all we all work we all work hard and we all deserve um well, I shouldn't say deserve right we we all we all earn that chance to to be in those spots and to be at those conference uh, championships and to be surrounded by by guys who just come in day in day out and and work so hard towards that goal is yeah it helps you because on days where you're not feeling great you're a little bit sick or you're just tired long day in the library the night before you got a big exam and you're you're exhausted it's like all right yeah there's a team full of 49 other guys who are probably going through the same thing and they're they're working hard and and they're really busting it so it's like it it, it does kind of force you to uh to not feel sorry for yourself in, in times where it's very easy to, um, and just kind of push you and, and move you in the right direction. So it, it, it's, a, it's a great feeling. Like I was talking to one of my teammates, I think two weeks ago, um, such a different feeling than in high school because teams in high school, a lot of guys sign up just to be with their friends, right, and have fun, which is fine. Um, and th- at that level, that's all right. Um, but at this level, everyone wants to be here. Right, it's not like someone's just showing up for fun. Everyone wants to be here, and it's such a different feeling walking into the track and knowing you're not going to have to be on top of guys for goofing off at practice or not listening to coach or not doing what they what things they should do. It's like everyone is here and very very driven towards one goal, and that goal is to succeed as an individual and as a team too. Um, and yeah, it's it's such a great feeling being on a team like that. It's from that last sort of line that you kind of just got on where it's like you don't want to, you don't have to be on a lot of guys and so on that maturity level. It sounded a little bit like that that the captain in you coming coming out <laughs> a little bit there. And um, now we hadn't touched upon that yet. You got named as a team captain in 2022, and uh, just obviously last year was a pretty successful year. Had been a number of successful years coming forward. So to be named as one of the captains for such a perennial contender regionally. And just such a historic and successful program, what was that feeling like? It's an honor. Uh, it really is. Um, being a leader of a team of this caliber really is an honor. Um, and it just being able to, to help develop guys every day is it, to, to help develop guys and, and be a part of, like, this legacy here at URI is huge. Um, and, and it's just something that I was working very hard for. Um, because I've, I've been a captain at my high school teams in the past. Um, but outside of that, I, I come from a, a long family history of military service. Um, and I understand the value of, of good leadership. And it really does make a difference in your team uh, in your team's success if you have good leaders versus subpar or, or bad leaders. Um, and so my goal was just to come in every day and make sure I did everything that I possibly could that the guys were motivated and they felt confident and comfortable um, because if everyone's confident and comfortable and motivated, that nothing can really stand in your way. Um, and yeah, that, that's a, it's a huge, huge honor and a big responsibility too because it's like you have that success of the past teams and it's your job to make sure that continues too, along with coaches, right? It's their job too, but um, you're a little bit more hands-on than a coach because you're with the guys in practice, in weight room, in the locker room, and outside too. Um, so it is. There's a little bit of pressure to, to continue that that run. Um, but it's it's just such an awesome feeling being able to being able to develop younger athletes and just be 
be that like older leadership figure that you had and you you were very appreciative uh, in the past and now I get to kind of repay that for them and that's such an awesome feeling. So you have that responsibility to be able to offer that mentorship and offer just some of that um, uh, some of that wisdom that you've had through your years but you still need to get mentored by someone by someone yeah. yourself and so we were talking about him before the show but I mean your head coach very animated guy during all during all of these events he's someone who I have I've yet to meet but I mean just tell me about some of the experiences that you've had with your coach and just how he's molded you into the athlete that you are today yeah he's uh he's a great great coach um he really understands what it's like to be in our shoes because he he was in in my shoes a few years ago he he's the decathlon record holder at URI um like yeah, he was an athlete here. He was an assistant coach here, um, and now he's the head coach. So he really understands um, what it's like to be in our shoes, both with the schoolwork, with practice, and how how tough it could be on on you physically and mentally. Um, so just having someone who is very understanding, but also so knowledgeable too, is, is such a such an advantage. Um, there have been plenty of times um, when I was having some some pretty bad weeks of practice um that he would he would just say to me like hey listen like you this is a, a four or five year career you know you're you're gonna have weeks that are not great <laughs> and 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 he's like I've been there plenty of times um and but but just seeing what he did too right like listening to him say that like there, you're gonna have times where you feel like you you can't do anything. You you can't throw at all. You feel like you're brand new to the sport. Um, but then to hear him say that and then see what he did in, in his athletic career does give you like a lot of confidence to say, you know what, like just gotta keep showing up every day, put in the work, um, and just don't lose hope because eventually th those bad weeks turn into good weeks, good weeks turn into good months, and good months turn into good seasons and. And so on and so forth. Um, yeah, he, it's a great, it's a huge advantage having someone of, of his uh, of his caliber, I guess, as as a coach for our team. And so you've obviously got um, Coach Bal, uh, Balzell, if I'm pronouncing yes, his name yep, right. Yep. He's the overall head coach, and then you've got um, Coach Carroll, who's an assistant coach, but specializes in throwing. Yes, yeah. Um, I before we kind of go back on the Balzell, because I have a, a question just about the individual philosophies with uh, coaching the different uh, sports, but. Um, Coach Carroll, having someone that's specifically focused on your aspect of track and field, how big of a boost is that to? It, it's huge. It's uh, like without him, you, you don't have throws. You, you just you can't really do it. Um, it's like asking like a, a pitcher to go out and pitch without a pitching coach, right? Like you need someone who who understands every like inch of that movement and and how to explain it to you different ways because. Every, every thrower is different. They understand different, like the same thing different ways. Like if I said to you something about your elbow, right, when you throw, keep your elbow up, you can say, okay, sweet, I'll keep my elbow up. But if he says the same thing to me, I might not, like, understand it as well. Um, so someone who, who really, really understands the sport and can explain the same thing in many different ways is a huge, uh, like, is paramount, really. Like without a throwing coach, you're, you're really, like – there's really uh, not a lot of hope for huge progress, pretty much. It, it's it's a extremely necessary. 
And so then you talked about how um, Coach Balsell was a de- uh, decathlon champion as um, an athlete here at URI. But as the head coach for a, such a large team, yeah. one that covers so many different events, is he like competent with all of the sports that he's covering? Like, do you feel do you feel like that he is able to give you insight on throwing just as well as some throwing specific coaches? Yeah, so that's that's a huge um, a huge bonus to him being a decathlete. Um, he's done pretty much he's done it all right he's done the throws the jumps the sprints the mid distance um so it's it's like someone having yeah like like all the knowledge unlocked right someone could be a a, like a magnificent sprints coach but they have no idea how to throw which is fine because they're a sprints coach but for him he he knows he can he can bounce around the track right he'll go over to pole vault say hey do this right he's talking to mason you gotta i don't know back up your run up a little bit or go down a pole and then I'll walk over to long jump say okay here you're, you're missing your stride you're a little bit off and then I'll go over to sprints and help him out there or come over to throws and help us out um yeah he, he's like a jack of all trades and I definitely yeah he he's very very knowledgeable um now for coach Carroll that, that throws is his event right so he's obviously very very like versed in that uh, subject, so I'd definitely say Coach Carroll is, um, I guess, more knowledgeable on just the throws than uh, Coach Baltzell. But just the fact that he can do everything, like coach everything, is, is so impressive and so useful too. And so, as we're sort of rounding out our our time here, I want to just touch upon what you're looking forward to for this coming year. Obviously, you're a senior. I, I, are you eligible to have an extended stay here at URI? Are you going to look into getting a master's? or? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I actually I came into to college uh, without taking pre-calculus in high school, which is necessary for engineering. Um, so not having taken that class, I was behind in math, which set me back about half a semester to graduate. Um, but I was just going to take a couple summer classes and graduate on time. But um, my throwing coach, Coach Carroll, came up to me and said, listen, if you want to stretch out that four and a half years to five, um, like you could you could be here for a fifth year and, and still do – and so I'm not doing a master's. I'm just doing a normal engineering degree in five years, mm-hmm. picking up a couple minors. Um, but, yeah, so I, I will be here next year um, for an ex- extended stay. Um, uh, what was the other question? Sorry. I... Well, just kind of like, well, now that kind of changes how I want to yeah. frame it. Cause okay. I was, I'm going to this, I'm thinking that, Oh, this will be your kind of like last dance in, in a sense, yeah. trying to go yeah. for the four Pete yeah. for that four years. But I mean, now that you're, you have the, the two more seasons, like you've, as a team, you've won the conference championship. You have that sort of not a, a honor, but you've, you've got the, the winning experience. You've got that yeah. feeling. You've got a, a couple uh, bits of individual winning experience as yeah. well. Do you have any particular goals that you wish to set out for over the next two years now? Yeah, so one one huge and and kind of like shoot for the stars goal um, is this summer we're hosting the uh, U.S. Olympic Trials out in Oregon, um, and that would be I, like seriously a dream come true. Um, I still have a ton of work to do, like a, a ton, a ton of work to do. Um, 
that would be huge. Like that's that's probably I wouldn't say that's bigger than the A10s this year because that's what we're all here for. Um, but that's probably the the second highest goal for this year, if if possible. As of right now, I'm not qualified. I, I can't get there, but it's we still have a lot of time, um, and that's probably the the big goal for this year. Um, and then next year is to, to make it a five peat, you know, is, is to, to win this year and win next year and go out on top. Um, actually we have a banner in our track that mm -hmm. is, I think out of spaces now of all, of all, <laughs> all the years, uh, that we've won our outdoor championship, but we have, I think two more spaces on the indoor championship banner. So my, my goal is to fill that up too and, and force our school to get a couple banner new banners. Um, so yeah, that would be, that would be awesome. Well, those those are those are some serious goals. That Olympic trials thing, that yeah. would be that would be incredible. I mean, do you have an idea of um, distance that you need to uh, like a benchmark distance you need to reach, or, yeah. or like how how far off the pace would you would you say you are currently? So I would have to be right around um, like 195 to probably like 195 feet in discus. I'd have to throw. Um, my PR from freshman year, so I had a bad, so my PR is still in discus is still from freshman year. So I had a great year freshman year. I had a really bad year sophomore year. And then I redshirted this past spring. So my junior year of spring, I didn't compete outdoors. Um, is why I can come back next year for fifth year. Um, so, but I, I threw 175 feet my freshman year. Um, so I mean, realistically, 20 feet is a lot, right? But I, I feel like I've made, like, substantial progress in in just overall, uh, like, technical ability, right, with my technique and, and physicality. I've gotten stronger, uh, more knowledgeable. Um, I'm, still, I'm still a ways off, but I think I can definitely – I think I could throw, like, I don't know. I, I don't I, – I, I'm not a big – I never put limits on myself, but it's like you also don't want to just be like, "Oh yeah, I can do it." Right? Yeah, like, I can do it. You got to be realistic. Um, it would take a, it would take a magical season pretty much this year to do it, but I'm gonna give it everything I, ha I have. So, yeah. Well, that, well, that's that's great. I'm I for one am going to be very interested <laughs> in seeing how you're able to progress now that you've now that you've shared this on my show. I'm gonna be watching yeah. watching you with a bit of an eagle eye to see <laughs> see how that goes. But Chris. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you have you so much, taught yeah. me so much more about track and field. Now, 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 I just gotta get, I gotta get a either a sprinter or a distance guy to come on. Maybe yeah. even, maybe someone, uh, maybe one of each from there, so I can cover all the all the other facets of track and field. Yeah. But um, I mean, I for one know that the uh, men's track and field team are growing exceptionally in popularity around here. I mean, just because you guys, it's you deserve it. You're so successful, and everyone's really starting to notice it now. And just like characters like yourselves being a part of that team just makes it all the much better. So thank you for joining me today. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And everybody back home, thank you for listening. Still going to line up a guest for next week. But yeah, as always, um, hope you guys enjoyed, and I'll catch you all in the next one.